in to score Merrifield. Kiermaier's in to score. Springer's coming down the line. He wants to score. It's an inside the Parker for George Springer. Berrios on the move. Pitch out a chain. Blocked by Berrios. Blocked by Armstead. Look at him dive. Look at him score. David sliding it to Bouchard. He gets it back. A pass over. And a ball for Dreisaitl. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Oh, and a good Wednesday morning to you. Man, week is flying by. It's, uh, really, the month is flying by. It seems like we just started here on uh, Sports 1440 on September 5th, and here we are at the uh, tail end of the month as uh, October's knocking on the door, uh, and it's uh, going to be knocking on the door with some uh, rain. It looks like uh, kind of rain in the forecast for, oh, the next uh, week or so on and off. Uh, Got to get those last golf games in for sure. Um, we're going to actually shake it up a uh, a little bit this morning. Uh, normally, we kind of, kind of, ah, shoot the breeze a little bit at the start uh, of the show, but uh, instead, we've got a big guest coming in uh, from Florida to start things off. George Richards from Florida Hockey now, because he's got to get off to uh, Panthers. Uh, uh, doings and travels and things like that. So uh, George Richards is going to no- join us in a couple of minutes. Um, so uh, Oilers back in action tonight. Uh, they take on Vancouver Canucks at uh, Rogers, their third game of the preseason, and expect a little more of a veteran lineup tonight against the Canucks. Um, all right, uh, he's on the line right now. Let's welcome in George Richards from Florida Hockey Now. Good morning, George. How are you in FLA? Well, how you doing? Uh, doing great today. Doing great. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking a little Panthers hockey. I mean, what was it like to cover that run last year in the playoffs? I mean, just a kind of a magical uh, couple of months for Florida hockey fans and hockey fans all across uh, Canada and the United States, the world uh, for that matter. But what was it like for you covering that team over that uh, two-month period? Yeah, you know, it was pretty interesting. Obviously, uh, we had counted them out a number of times, um, you know, be it February, March, April, and then, you know, them losing game four at home to Boston uh, in that first round to go down 3-1. You figured that was the end of that. You know, no way they go to Boston and win game five. And they do and and, and set off a chain of events that leads them to the Stanley Cup final where they – Simply just ran into a, 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 a you know a buzzsaw in, in in the Golden Knights and um, the, the the magic ended there. But uh, it was uh, it was quite the run and uh, you know uh, after they got through Boston they were just they were just a machine against Toronto and, and Carolina. Yeah, we saw that buzzsaw firsthand uh, here in Edmonton with the Vegas Golden Knights. But um, as you mentioned, uh, trailing Boston, but coming back, uh, uh, really the Leafs and Carolina, that were the, those were the two series everyone was going, you know, maybe this is a kind of a team of destiny. Were you kind of thinking that as well at that point? Yeah, at that point, yeah. Once, you know, once, once they did what they did um, against Carolina and that, that Carolina series, you know, it was a, a four game sweep, but every game was one goal. Um, it's as close as they could be. Florida wins game four in the final minute, Matthew Kachuk scoring. And, um, you're, you're thinking to yourself, geez, if they can do this, you know, this, this team, 
um, especially the way Sergei Bobrovsky mm-hmm. was playing. Um, you know, who knew? You know, you 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 know they were the they were the betting favorite to to win it. So, um, you know, it just didn't work out for them. But uh, we'll see what they do uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. If you've got a text or comment for uh, George Richards, Florida Hockey, now shoot it off to us one eight three three four zero one. 1440. So um, camp underway, things underway uh, as far as, um, you know, preseason games go for the Big Cats. Uh, can you kind of just give us a little Reader's Digest version on how things are going so far down there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Paul Maurice ran the first four days of camp basically just skating. I mean, that's all they did. Um, no system work, just, you know, a lot of breakouts, a lot of one-on-one battles, and a lot of just skating laps. And then you know, they had a preseason doubleheader Monday night against the Nashville Predators here in Sunrise. And, um, you know, just throwing guys out there. They end up uh, outscoring uh, Nashville's youngsters 10-2 to in, in the two games. And, you know, Florida's most of their veterans got to play. And that will probably be the last we see a lot of those veterans for at least a couple games. They're in Carolina tonight. Um, that'll be a pretty young lineup and, um, you know, we'll just have to see how things work out, but, you know, the Panthers, aside from Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour are fairly healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, they hope to continue that and, uh, you know, uh, they got a couple weeks here and then we'll, uh, get that season started. If we, uh, uh, before we get into a couple of your stories, George, from uh, Florida Hockey Now, um, just wanted to kind of ask you, just uh, in the sense of, you know, your 20-plus years or so of covering this hockey team, whether it be, I guess, uh, old school like you and you and I are, say, you know, with the Miami Herald and then kind of moving on to the athletic for you and now kind of with Florida Hockey Now, how has that transition been for you as a writer and a, and a journalist covering this team? Well, yeah, obviously three different spots, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Miami Herald uh, being a beat writer, traveling with the team um, on the daily, you know, writing a feature, writing the notebook and stuff. And those were the good old days. And <laughs> the athletic was more featurey stuff, more in-depth, more um, deep dive. And, and now at Florida Hockey Now, it's, you know, we're, we're there every day, um, you know, writing every you know writing about the Panthers every single day that's something that, that that's fairly new to me even at the Herald you know once hockey season was over you know you I was covering the Marlins I was covering the University of Miami mm-hmm. you know what I mean the Miami Heat playoffs I wasn't covering the Panthers every day yeah. once the season was over but now that um, in this online world uh, you know every day every day through the summer in August August 15th I was writing about the Panthers um so it's it's much more in depth now, I, I think, than it's ever been. And you've worked with so many Florida Panthers coaches and interviewed them over sure. the years. Uh, what's it like, I guess, now that you've had, I guess, Paul Maurice for an extended period of time talking to him on a daily basis? He's great. And listen, I've been extremely lucky um, in all my years covering the Panthers. I, I every single coach I've dealt with. Um, here in South Florida has been, you know, terrific, starting with Jock Martin. Um, he was the first guy I, I covered. He was the, the coach with Mike Keenan as general manager. Um, Jock was a teacher by nature, and, and you know, a couple of us were brand new to the, to the hockey beat. And, um, he was very, very helpful and instrumental um, in, in helping us along and to understand the game and what was, you know, don't, you know, don't go crazy looking over here at the shiny stuff. Look over here, you know, 
at these kind of things. And it's just been great. You know, Pete DeBoer, Kevin Deneen, Gerard Gallant. Uh, Joel Quinville was great to deal with. and, and But Paul Maurice is, is fantastic. I think a lot of people um, saw that. They have seen it over the years. Mm-hmm. But especially during that playoff run, the, his interactions with the media were just um, semi-legendary. Uh, he, you know, he'll fill your, you mm-hmm. know, like like we said in the old days, he'll fill your notebook every day. Every day, you're getting three, four things out of Paul Maurice that you probably weren't expecting when 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 the media session started. Yeah, I mean, the Winnipeg Raiders were just so lucky to have him for yeah. all those years, for sure. And now he's you great. have he's yeah. great to deal with. Absolutely. He he definitely is. Uh, we really just enjoy whenever he gets. Uh, up here for sure. So uh, that was one of your articles in, in Florida Hockey Now about how long it takes for, you know, a coach or even players to get over uh, a Stanley yeah. Cup final loss. And it took him a, a long time. Yeah, it, you know, especially a guy like Paul because, you know, he got a shot at it no 2 with Carolina. Um, he was still a young coach, early 30s, I believe, yeah. um, when that happened. And, and you think, you know, just like a young player, you think it's going to, you know, oh, we made it to the finals. This is good. We're going to have a chance at this every year. I'm going to have five, six, seven chances at this during the course of my career. And that's just not the case for most mm-hmm. players. Um, you know, you look at other sports. Dan Marino goes to the Super Bowl in his second. Oh, I think we just lost George Richards down in Florida. We'll try to reconnect with him. Uh, uh, Panthers with a, just a, a Cinderella, a Cinderella uh, playoff run last year, where they took uh, the Boston Bruins uh, all the way down to Game Seven, won it in overtime, and then uh, moved on. To, and everyone loved it when they took down the Leafs in four games to one. And as as George was saying, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes four games to nothing. Uh, all the games were one goal games. Um, we saw maybe, you know, and, and I mean, Oiler fans have seen Matthew Kachuk firsthand for years, uh, but it was uh, interesting to watch him. And I mean, we saw against the Flames in the playoffs when the Oilers uh, defeated the uh, the Flames in the playoffs, you know, and that was an amazing uh, moment as well for Oiler fans. But to see Kachuk do what he no, no, did for a few, um, you know, a, a few extended series there, three and then off to the final with the, with the um, uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, was quite remarkable to see him elevate his place. So I think we've got uh, uh, George back. So, uh, George, just uh, we might, may as well switch, switch gears a little bit sure, here. Sure, sure. Um, you did touch on... Uh, um, um, uh, Aaron Ekblad. So, what's st- what's the status of uh, the top defenseman there for for Florida? Uh, well, Aaron Ekblad uh, had a groin injury, a foot injury, and a shoulder injury. The shoulder needed surgery. Um, Brandon Montour, same thing, shoulder surgery. Uh, uh, Bill Zito said that the base point for the return of both players is December fifteenth. Paul Marie said he did not expect. Um, you know, much earlier than that. Uh, but we believe that, uh, that that Montour would be the first one to return, um, you know, sometime in that first, that early December period. And maybe Ekblad comes back after that or, you know, January, something like that. Um, but who knows? Both are skating. Both are shooting pucks. Um, they can't take physical contact yet, obviously. Um, but it's uh, good to see both of those guys out on the ice um, working the puck, doing a lot of stick work and that kind of thing. So uh, the Panthers hope that when they're both available, they'll be able to hop back in the lineup and mm-hmm. uh, business as usual. Uh, while we were sort of disconnected there, I kind of went off on a bit of a Matthew Kachuk uh, 
soliloquy. Mm-hmm. What's he meant to, to the franchise since he's uh, come over from Calgary? Yeah, he's been um, everything they've ex- they they hoped he would be and more. Um, he's become just uh, you know South Florida is a major market and you know this this town loves winners and they love stars and Matthew Kachuk has certainly um, become a star player down here, a very recognizable guy um, in a very crowded landscape now in South Florida. Mm-hmm. You've got you know Messi's here and the Miami Dolphins and all their star players and Jimmy Butler with the Heat, but um, he's right there. He, he's, mm-hmm. you know, Matthew Kachuk is right there with all those guys we saw during the playoffs. Jimmy Butler wearing a Matthew Kachuk jersey to shoot mm-hmm. around with the Heat. And, um, you know, he, he's when he first got to South Florida – I don't think many people knew who he was, just because you know. Just to be, let's just be honest here. This is yeah. you know Miami, Fort Lauderdale. They're not watching the Calgary Flames. They've never seen Matthew <laughs> Kachuk play, um, and now that they have, he's he's our guy, right? Everybody in South Florida, that's our guy. Um, a year ago, they didn't know who he was, but now he's their guy, and uh, it, it's. Yeah, now he's being recognized. Uh, he, when he first got here, like he said, he could go to the, the bars or whatever mm-hmm. in Fort Lauderdale. Nobody knew who he was. That's not the case anymore. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is a known commodity here in uh, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I'm imagining uh, when he brings Brother Brady up there with a couple of Bud Lights in the back pocket, uh, I yep. think the two of them could have a little bit of fun in uh, in South Florida. I think they have. <laughs> I think they have, <laughs> I think, too. I think they've enjoyed their time. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, George Richards, Florida Hockey Now, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, Spencer Knight, uh, interesting story off the ice, uh, hopefully, and we all hope that he's got it all together. Can you kind of touch on where the uh, young goaltender is uh, for the Panthers? Well, he played um, Monday night. Uh, that was his first game action since joining the uh, the Players Assistance Program in February. Uh, listen, this is a guy. He, he went to get some help. He has the. Uh, he, he said he was. Uh, he had problems with the OCD that was, was keeping him from sleeping and and that kind of thing. So he he sought help and 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 hopefully that's all um, kind of taken care of. It, it appears to be, but I don't know. I mean, you know, we nobody knows. Um, but everything seems to be good. I mean, Spencer Knight's been smiling and having a mm-hmm. good time. Um, they're going to manage what, what, what happens with him as far as on-ice stuff goes. They brought in uh, Anthony Stolarz to be the backup to Sergei Bobrovsky, and that appears to be the plan. It looks like uh, Spencer's going to start the season in the minors. Um, unless something crazy happens, that's what it looks like, just so he can go down and get some, you know, play two out of every three games down there and, and really get some starts built up, and then he'll come back. Um, and, and resume with the Panthers, but everything looks good. You know, he looks terrific on the ice. I mean, um, 13 shots stopped on Monday night, and he spoke with us a little bit after the game. And you know, he he seems to he says he feels good, and you know, so yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. think anything otherwise. So yeah, I think it's I think it's good. Uh, before we get to Oliver Ekman Larson, as we're speaking with George Richards, Florida Hockey. Now, uh, just wanted to touch on a young draft pick uh, from here, Michael Benning. Of course, his dad mm. played in Florida. Uh, one of his stops in his NHL career. Brian uh, was a great NHL defenseman. Now Brian drafted by, or Brian's son Michael drafted by uh, Florida. Uh, have you had a chance to have a peek at him uh, during training camp? Yeah, we saw Mike. Mike left the University of uh, of Denver last year during the Panthers playoffs, and and was with the Panthers 
Um, for you know, for, with the Black Aces and all that, he mm-hmm. didn't you know play in any games or anything. Um, so you know, he got a taste of the NHL. He got a taste of being around um, all that good stuff that happened last spring and early summer. Um, he's not going to be on this team. I mean, there's just too much defensive depth here mm-hmm. in Florida. Um, he's fresh out of college. Uh, he's an offensive defenseman. Moves the puck extremely well. Has a very nice shot. Um, so he's going to get the opportunity to go to Charlotte and get some some, some game time and um, you know in all situations instead of you know kind of sitting here on the bench and not doing anything. He's going to go down there um, and get some ex- good playing time. But no, he's a you know great story. Obviously, his dad was an original member of the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, the day he got drafted, just on a whim, he said he wore his dad's old Florida Panther. Uh, yeah. uh, workout shorts, and, and then lo and behold, the Panthers <laughs> pick him out of that, you know, there. So, uh, yeah, good to see. And then, you know, just more depth for Florida's defensive core. Um, Mike Benning uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I've uh, heard the workout shorts story. I know Brian quite well. Have you ever had the opportunity to uh, interview or talk to Brian, George? Just in passing at some alumni things, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, nothing – you know, we haven't. I haven't seen him around. Maybe when, uh, maybe when Mike makes his NHL debut, we'll see him up here and we'll talk. Well, when you do, make sure you ask him about the story with uh, Ron Hextall when he was in Philadelphia when they went out hunting. It's, uh, it's. You could write a book on that story. It's, it's, it's uh, unbelievable. So, that uh, uh, sounds like a plan. I'll ask him for sure. Uh, back to Oliver Ekman Larson. So, where does he fit in with this team right now? Well, this is, you know, obviously a reclamation project for, for, for OEL. Um, last two seasons in Vancouver um, are, are ones he would like to forget. Um, and I would think that the Vancouver Canucks would like to forget as well. They, obviously, they wrote him a gigantic check just to go away. Uh, so this is an opportunity for him to kind of get back in the game. He got a one-year deal with Florida, a prove-it deal. Um, and he's going to get the opportunity to, to, to do exactly what he hopes to here. Um, it looks like he's going to run the power play here in Florida. The Panthers really like what they've seen out of him. Um, so, again, we, we know he's been hurt. I mean, he had the broken foot at Worlds, and then he re, re, re-injured it last year in Vancouver. Um, with, with, with Bark, with Ekblad and Montour out, there was a good opportunity here in South Florida. Uh, with the Panthers, and it looks like Oliver Ekman Larson is going to try and fill part of that. Uh, one last one for you, uh, George. We're, uh, you you must be so lucky to watch Alexander Barkov on a, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful player. Um, I mean, he's only 28 years old as well. I mean, and this right. guy does it all. So, uh, what what more can we expect from Barkov? Some more scoring, maybe. Um, I think that he's always, uh, you know, last year he would have been on pace for 100 points for the first time in his career, but he missed uh, 14, 15 games. He had a hand injury. He had pneumonia. Uh, so he missed a big a big part of the season last year in December and January, um, which affected his point totals. But I think we could see Sasha Barkov, if he plays 75 or more games, I think you're going to see him hit that 100-point mark for the first time and, um, you know, once again be right in that mix for the Sulky. Uh, he won it, I believe, in 2021. Mm-hmm. I think he'll have an opportunity to win it this year. Again, if he plays, you know, 75 or more games. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, just a non-hockey related, what was it like to kind of be part of the uh, uh, the Miami Dolphins beatdown of Denver uh, last week? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> this team is just unbelievable. I mean, they come at you in waves. They're, they're almost like a hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, they just come at you in waves, this offense. Um, I, I don't know how it defensive stop them. I mean, you know, we saw New England uh, make some, some adjustments on them two weeks ago, but Man, the Miami Dolphins look tight. Man, they're good. <laughs> and and everyone's talking about them for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They they run this town. They always have, uh, and uh, they probably always will. Um, so when the Dolphins are good, yeah, forget about anything else. <laughs> well, we'll be uh, thinking about hockey here in the next little bit. Hey, George, thanks for uh, sure. taking the time. Maybe we'll see you when you zip up to Edmonton this year. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. That's uh, George Richards, Florida Hockey Now. Another, you know, uh, a seasoned veteran reporter, you know, Miami Herald to The Athletic to Florida Hockey Now. And it just kind of shows you where our industry is changing, moving and and things like that. But that was a a magical run by uh, the Panthers last year. Magical playoff run they probably don't get enough credit for it probably one of the best playoff runs in the history of the nhl uh when we come back we'll kind of let you know what's happening uh on our big program today uh paul bisonette will join us uh, later in the day with our uh, co-host david schlemko we've got a whole bunch of uh, other great guests lined up including uh mark specter uh, our daily uh, contributor at eight o'clock uh still a whole whack to come on the kevin carey show on sports 1440 all right, welcome back to the big program, 726 in the Capital Region. Man, that was a good, uh, some really good uh, points by um, uh, uh, George Richards, Florida Hockey Now. I mean, to talk about the fact that where Matthew Kachuk is, and I mean, probably one of the most hated flames, uh, top 10 easily for Oiler fans over the years. Nobody liked him here. Nobody still likes him here. Uh, send us off a text, one... 833-401-1440. How much, as an Oilers fan, did you hate Matthew Kachuk, or did you just respect him a little bit? Probably not. Oilers in action tonight. Game three of the preseason. Vancouver Canucks in here. The Canucks got pumped by Calgary 10-0 earlier in this preseason. Oilers uh, with two losses, one of them in a shootout to the Winnipeg Jets and then a 5-0 loss in Winnipeg. Uh, the other night on Monday, uh, we would probably see a little bit more of a veteran lineup today. Maybe we will see both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. Maybe uh, one for sure. We'll see when the lineup is uh, kind of uh, released in uh, oh, about t- 10 o'clock or so, maybe a little bit earlier um, to let you know on that. Yeah, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 The Duke of Delburn joins us every morning as he does. Um, Duke, did you know uh, today in sports history uh, is one of the biggest stories, biggest moments in not just Canadian sports history, but in all of sports history. Is there any chance that you could sniff this out? Anything off the top of your head? If I were to tell you today in sports history, in okay, let's just go Canadian sports history. September twenty seventh. September twenty seventh. Canadian sports. And I'm going to give you. I'll give you the year, and see if you can, if something rings a bell. Nineteen eighty eight. And then I'm going to give you three numbers. Nine seven nine. This is putting the Duke on the spot. I it love it is, because it is the Duke the, the Duke has a sports knowledge like no other. 
Uh, today, in uh, 1988, in Seoul, was when Ben Johnson was disqualified for Stanalzazal after running a 9.79 in the 100 meters. And man, if you're old enough to remember that, you are probably old, you probably remember where you were. It's one of those biggest days in Canadian sports history. Of course, he was disqualified uh, and he, uh, Carl Lewis won. And then, man, it just went bananas. You, I remember that, you know, when they had the, the authority from the, the Olympics reading out uh, Ben Johnson, Canada, you know, the whole thing. And you, that's something that we've seen uh, time and time again. Uh, text comes in and this is, these are the texts that we love. Okay. Um, we we'll probably need you to put your name to this one or we need to get a hold of you somehow. I have a pair of tickets for tonight's Oilers Canucks game. I would like to donate for a prize of some sort. Um, so if you can kind of let us know a little bit. This is from Greg. Thanks, Greg. Uh, he just sent another one. So um, the Duke is going to work on it with you to how, how to get these tickets and stuff like that. Very generous of you, uh, Greg, for sure. He's got two tickets to tonight's game. Uh, we're going to figure something out how how we can get these out for uh, maybe some sort of a trivia or a prize or whatever. Someone that really, really wants to go, hasn't been to a game maybe, something like that. So we'll think of, think of that. So uh, thanks very much, uh, Greg. Uh, we'll be in touch. The Duke will be talking to you here in the next uh, little while. Two tickets to the Oilers and Canucks very generously donated by Greg. Um, yeah, so 1988, uh, Ben Johnson disqualified after the 100 meters, I mean, Canada, the whole country went bananas, bananas uh, when he won. And, of course, there were so many um, uh, things that just didn't feel right going in. You had Charlie Francis was, you know, the, the trainer, coach, and there were so many things that were uh, were uh, just were off at that point but long time ago 1988 and I remember I was in I was in Calgary just getting ready to go to school at at SAIT after I lied to get in to the program um what else do we got coming up today so at uh 7 40 we will check in with Al Coates long time baseball guru in uh, Edmonton Started out uh, even before the Trappers. If there's anyone in Edmonton that knows more about baseball than Al Coates, not sure if 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 there is, but Al Coates um, with the Trappers, and then now the Edmonton Riverhawks. And there is a now you want to put a template together about uh, how to start a team, uh, run a team, and and organize it, and and do all the promo- promotions and and things like that. I mean, they've got great ownership for sure. Um, this this team last year was it was almost like one of the must see things to do in Edmonton on a on a beautiful summer night in the River Valley. I mean, um, one thing that I'm going to mention with Al is that with the Riverhawks, their average attendance was unbelievable last year. Um, I think it'll be pushing up to five thousand for per game next year. It's a shorter season in in the in the Western League. Um, just the amount of fans that came out to watch this product was amazing. Uh, 2002, the Edmonton Trappers won the Pacific Coast League Championship. That year, the Trappers averaged approximately, and I'm not 100% sure here, about 6,400 fans a game. 
And that's Triple A baseball. You got guys off that team that went on to play with the Minnesota Twins that were unreal and had very, very good careers like Michael Kadire, Casey Blake, uh, uh, Michael Restovich, uh, amazing team, um, uh, Santana, the big lefty. I mean, there that was a great team, and fans really supported that team. The Riverhawks are, you know, for collegiate baseball, good collegiate baseball at that, are right behind the Trappers 21 years ago when you talk about uh, attendance. So we'll have uh, Al Coates on at uh, 7.40. Text comes in, 1-833-401-1440. We ran from high school to watch the race at the Sears store in the mall. (laughs) Isn't it also true uh, that the drug that Ben Johnson tested positive for, he wasn't actually on? He was on other drugs, though. That comes from KCF. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure exactly what he was on, but I, I mean, he admitted there's a documentary that was on 30 for 30. He admitted everything that he was on. You know, he, he was sorry that he did it. But again, one of the biggest moments in um, Canadian sports history, all of um, Canadian history, when you think about it, uh, where it was, because Canada, like the little country that could, couldn't really do anything in, you know, in the world track and field stage in that sense and the 100 meters and things like that. But uh, it was a wild week or so in, uh, in Seoul, Korea, for sure. Eight o'clock, uh, we will be joined by Mark Spector as he uh, joins us every day at eight for uh, On the Mark, uh, energized by Booster Juice. So uh, we will check in with Speck and get his thoughts on things. Really interesting guest. Uh, well, one interesting guest coming up at 840, and that'll be uh, Cody Lamb as the Edmonton Pro Rodeo is slated for this weekend. Uh, down at the uh, Flair Airlines hangar, the Expo Center. Uh, Cody will be uh, joined by Quinn Phillips from Explore Edmonton, and they will, uh, they'll join us in studio. Uh, I, th- I don't, no, no one even knows what Quinn Phillips does anymore, but we will try to figure out what she's doing, probably just chauffeuring around Cody Lamb all, all morning. Uh, anyway, we will, uh, those two will guest with us uh, here at the West Edmonton Mall Stingray Studio, so... Uh, Interesting uh, interview coming up. Maybe we'll throw Quinn a question or two. What do you think, Duke? Does she deserve it or what? I, I worked with her for a couple of years. Maybe, I don't know. She never showed up at work either, so I don't know. I think she deserves it. She's uh, been kind enough to get us set up with Cody yeah, here to come okay. in studio. She's putting a little legwork as well as probably serving as chauffeur at the same time. <laughs> so we'll ask her what, uh, what she's up to these days with Explore Edmonton and uh, get her take on things at the rodeo this weekend. Oh, man. Um Thanks again to Greg for sending uh, in his tickets. Um, Section 130, row 7, seats 1 and 2. Cool. That's great. Really appreciate it, Greg. Uh, Very generous for you. Uh, David Schlemko, after a one-week absence uh, where he had the flu, will be our uh, co-host, as he always is, except for last week, 9 to 11, on Wednesdays. And, you know, there's an old saying about playing guilty. Duke, you know what what I mean? Guys guys say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm playing guilty. Well... Schlemmer, what does he do? He, all he does is line up Paul Bissonnette for us today. Biz Nasty will be our uh, headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Uh Boy, I mean, 
We could probably go two hours with Biz Nasty if we wanted to. Uh, I don't think he'd be happy about that, but he's only got a couple things on the go, doesn't he? Just one or two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No shortage of things to talk about Biz with. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, having Schlemmer here at the same time should uh, should be pretty entertaining. So that'll be some muscles and radio here just after 9 o'clock this morning. I would imagine that the two of them will have some uh, decent stories for sure. Uh, what else? We uh, Shai Davidi from uh, Blue Jays Baseball. We'll guess with us at ten twenty. Jays lost last night to nothing uh, to the New York Yankees. Uh, Jordan Romano it was scoreless till he came on in the uh, ninth inning. Uh, gave up a two run shot to Austin Wells. Uh, Yankees win by a score of. Uh, Two nothing, Jays because Houston lost uh, last night to Seattle. Jays still a buck and a half up on the Astros in the American League uh, Wild Card race. Uh, Houston still trying to catch uh, Texas in the American League West. Uh, uh, one quick test to, text to get to that thirty on thirty about Ben Jones Johnson showed that nine of ten finalists in the one hundred tested positive with twelve months within twelve months of the race. Uh, and I think Carl Lewis was the only guy that said he wasn't on anything. I think, unreal. Uh, no, there's a uh, a couple other one other guy too. This might not be correct, but uh, it's it's close. Everyone was doing stuff at that time. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will check in with Al Coates, baseball's best uh, from Edmonton, to talk uh, all things baseball, Riverhawks, Trappers, Jays. Uh, we'll check in with Coatsy when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program as the Duke gets his Brian Adams fix in again as usual every 7.40 in the morning at the break. You betcha. Uh, let's bring in Al Coates, uh, long-time Edmonton broadcaster. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone in town, again, as I was saying earlier, that knows more about baseball in the city than Al Coates. Uh, uh, Coatesy, welcome uh, to the show, old broadcast friend. Uh, how you doing? Hey, very well. How are you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. So, um I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with you, but I, let's just go with the Riverhawks. And, I mean, what it was like, again, this season, uh, the, it was a successful season for the team to come together again. Um, what's it been like to kind of be part of this organization moving forward where the team is just, a, it's kind of like must-see, baseball must-see things to do in the summertime here in Edmonton? Yeah, they had a unbelievable season. They drew as well as they could draw to the limits of their parking. I mean, they mm-hmm. hit the century mark with a game to go, drew about 104,000 fans over 26 openings, and that's actual people in the seats. So uh, mm-hmm. on the field, they struggled a little bit, but uh, in the box office uh, and on the field with the uh, promotions and stuff, it was just a great year. It really was. Um, what was it like for you to do the games, uh, uh, you know, uh, be a part of this uh, franchise? Well, yeah, it, uh, you know, it's kind of like... Saying hello to an old friend again, being back at that park. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, you know, I'm 47 years in the game. You know what? The uh, you know, styles change, music changes, cars changes. But once those guys put that uniform on, the game is timeless. It just there's one way you play the game, and that's the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, our guest this morning, Al Coates, a longtime baseball announcer in Edmonton. Um, before we get to the trappers, I'll kind of take us back. You said you're you're coming up on fifty years of, of watching ball, broadcasting ball. Go back to the early days uh, and let our listeners know kind of where you kind of got started doing all this. Well, I started in radio in 1972. I guess it was my first year out of high school, and Edson, and then I kicked around the prairies a fair little bit here and there, and 
Uh, my first baseball game I broadcast was at CFGP in Grand Prairie in 1974 uh, or five. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the Rainiers and the Grand Prairie Athletics. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a tournament, and, uh, you know, little stations did things like that, so I volunteered for it. And little did I know, all these years later, I'd uh, still be doing it. So when you came to Edmonton and got involved in the Trappers, uh, take us back to that uh, part of your career and uh, what you remember about getting started with the Trappers. Well, I'd been hired on by some of the broadcasting. Uh, I was the morning uh, sports guy, and uh, Edmonton was really in a marvelous era. The orders were now in the Stanley Cup. They had yet to win a cup, but that was on the way. The mm-hmm. North American Soccer League in town, and Peter Pocklington was in the buying spree, and he bought the Ogden A baseball club that was uh, kind of like a bankruptcy. The Pacific Coast League had taken the franchise over, and him and Mel Kowalczyk and, uh, and the fellow that wrote the book about the owners, Peter Zowski, took a chartered plane into Phoenix, and Pocklington convinced them that this is where the franchise should go. And so the spring of 1981, we started our 24-year journey into the Pacific Coast League. And what about that that Pocklington kind of relationship factor? What was that like back then? Well, in the early days, I didn't work for him. I worked for the station and had the broadcast rights. And then later on, I did. And I got to say this, all the years I worked for him, I never missed a paycheck. Never once. (laughs) That's that's the main thing, isn't it, Al? Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like old Al McCann used to say, if you love what you do, you never have to get up and go to work in the morning. That's yeah, true. exactly. And yeah. That is so true. I'll tell you what there, my friend. You keep that microphone in front of you just as long as you can. Well, I'll do my very best. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll rip it away from me. We'll see. Um, well, eventually they will. That's guaranteed. But <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's good advice for sure. Uh, we're with uh, Al Coates, a uh, longtime Edmonton uh, baseball broadcaster. So, Al... Uh, the the early days of the Trappers just had some amazing players that uh, passed through town. Uh, can you touch on some of them that uh, you know that will always uh, stay uh, in your heart and in your mind? Well, you know what? We all watch the Blue Jays now. Sadly, they lost last night. They had their best pitcher going too, Gausman. But mm-hmm. there's two Blue Jays whose dads were both Edmonton Trappers. There's a little trivia question okay. for you. And Dante Bichette's son is their shortstop, mm-hmm. Bo Bichette. Yeah. And uh, Whit Merrifield was a really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could play everywhere, any infield position, any outfield position. Good hitter. His dad was Bill Merrifield. He was their third baseman back in the eighties for a couple of seasons. Hmm. I I knew the one. I didn't know the second one. So, yeah, Billy Merrifield's son Whit. Yeah. Wow. Well, I I knew obviously no Whit. I I couldn't remember. Maybe I maybe there was an old trivia question too. So, uh, once things kind of got rolling a, a little later, I mean, there were some big time. Like I mean, the, the Ron Kittles and guys like that. I mean, there were some great ball players that passed through town. Well, he always will be, Mister Trapper, number twenty one. He was the greatest the year he had that season. He when the uh, Home run derby, he had 50 home runs. He won the RBIs, 144. He got nosed out by about three batting points for the uh, batting average, and he won a triple crown. He led the league in triples, doubles, singles, uh, on-base percentage. I mean, you name it. He, and he did it pretty much all by himself. We did, he did not have great hitters in front of him. Uh, and... Those monster shots that he hit. He hit them out of every ballpark. He hit two home runs in one inning. 
hit three in a game one time in Albuquerque. Uh, went on, he was the American League Rookie of the Year in 83. And then, uh, sadly, he had some back injuries, and that ended his career a little earlier than it should have. Al Coates is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Um when I got here, Al, and we first met in the in about 1998, uh, the Trappers at that point had some, uh, you know, they were go- kind of bouncing from uh, affiliate to affiliate. But uh, the team, obviously, that I remember the most was just over 20 years ago, and that was the team that was affiliated with the uh, Minnesota Twins and won the PCL championship that year. Uh, take us back to the the um, the team, the Trappers. Uh, fielded that year because, again, the talent on that squad was uh, as good as you could possibly see in the Pacific Coast League. Oh, it really was. Uh, we had, at one point in time later in the year, we we penciled in eight consecutive batters in the order, all had better than 25 home runs. We led organized baseball with 240-some home runs that year. We had a, a future American League Cy Younger on that club. We had an American League MVP later on. That being Justin Morneau, big mm-hmm. left-handed hitter out of the Lower Mainland, and uh, the Cy Young winner, his name will come to me in a second. Yo- Johan Santana. Yeah, Johan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lefty with a big changeup. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, who and else? We won who, the championship. We beat uh, Salt Lake in the championship finals. Wow. Um, uh, the guys that I remember a lot was uh, Michael Kadire to me was a, just a, such a young, raw, um, pure hitter and, um, you know, still had was looking to polish uh, some areas of his game. Uh, what do you remember about Michael Kadire? He hit the longest home run ever out of this ballpark. It was a Sunday <laughs> afternoon game. And just to the right of the hitter's eye, it's still there's a big grove of poplar trees. It's in the Edmonton Power Property. Yeah. He nailed that thing over the top of those trees. So my rough math, Say that's better than a 500 foot shot. <laughs> um, and then he went on to a great career. Uh, who are some other yeah. guys off that team that kind of, you know, went on to, you know, have a prominent uh, career in your mind uh, in the majors? Uh, Casey Blake was a pretty good third baseman. The Twins traded him over the Dodgers. And uh, Casey had a lot of years up in the major leagues. He was a fine player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Sears was their cleanup batter. He played at first base. Uh, Mike Brustovich. Yeah. Had an inside the park grand slam home run in the playoffs. And Matt McCroy was another one. And they, they came and they went because mm-hmm. the Twins were not sure of their direction. But they put together just an unbelievable club in Edmonton in uh, 2002. That was, uh, like I said, we led OB in home runs better than 240. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if maybe a lot of uh, baseball fans uh, know that Fernando Valenzuela was here for a little bit. How did that go? Yeah, he'd, uh, he'd been with the Dodgers, and he was a left-hander. He threw a screwball. A screwball at times can be pretty hard in your arm, your elbow especially. So the Angels signed him. I figured, well, this, you know, this will help us draw a little bit. And they sent him to Edmonton on a five-game trial. He went 2-2 two and two with a no decision. And, uh, you know, when you watched him, you wondered how this guy won as many games in the big leagues. He didn't throw particularly hard. He was around the plate. But G was murder on right-handed batters with that overhand screwball, which is a backwards curve. It's a thumb under the ball as opposed to over the ball. Uh, I think he spoke English, although he just never did. He had to do everything through an interpreter. But, yeah, every every place he went, he lit up the uh, the Pacific Coast League. We drew huge crowds, 22,000 one day in, the, mm-hmm. in Portland to watch Fernando pitch. I don't know if that would happen today anymore. The game has changed so much that... They might not do that, but uh, 
The five games we had, and then he went on. He had a couple of years with the Angels and then finished out with the Baltimore Orioles, and he's now the Spanish broadcaster for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And uh, still one of the most popular guys in L.A., as we uh, guessed with uh, Al Coates, uh, baseball broadcaster in Edmonton. Um, why do you think um, baseball uh, has had such a rich um, history. Well, we know the rich history, but kind of, you know, it, it's such a popular sport in our city that maybe sometimes goes unnoticed behind Oilers and, and, and Elks and things like that. But uh, why do you think there's that sort of a an old uh, uh, romantic history uh, with baseball in our city? Well, because it's just such an old game. It's been around so long. Edmonton's first pro club, I think, was 1907 in the Western Canada Baseball League. Edmonton Calgary, Lethbridge, and Medicine Hat, and then pro ball has come and gone over the over the years. And what we have now, which is NCAA Division One and Two players, that's the very same thing that John Ducey had here back in the nineteen fifties. That's mm-hmm. what it was. You you I weren't like, do, you weren't doing those games back in with Calgary and Lethbridge, were you? Pardon me. You weren't doing you weren't broadcasting those games back. Then, you know. <laughs> You know, that was a bit before my time. <laughs> Just kidding, Al. Uh, Just kidding. This brand of baseball, I don't know if you knew this, but in 2023, the July draft, the Rule 4 draft, 40 ball players from the West Coast League were drafted. So that just shows the 40. quality of ball. Yeah, the quality yeah. of ball. And they're only they're only drafting 20 rounds now. It's not like it once was where they were drafting 50 rounds. They're mm-hmm. down to 20. Um, texter comes into our uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Scott Spizio, Scott Spizio, remember him? Oh yeah, Spiz, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was an outstanding utility player for us. Play at third, play at second, in a pinch, he'd play out in left field. The odd time at shortstop. Spiz was uh, one of our all-time great guys. Yeah, Matt Stairs was on that same club. We were at the Oakland A's in those years, and we won two Coast League championships. When you look back to all the Canadian, great Canadian players, uh, I mean, do you rank them the same way as uh, other guys? Like, I, I, I always told you that I'm from the same home, hometown as Terry Poole. Uh, I always thought before Larry Walker came along, Terry Poole was probably one of the best positional players ever. So kind of how do you kind of rank all the Canadians that have gone on to, uh, you know, star in the majors? Well, when Nolan Ryan threw a six no hitter with the Houston Astros, he did it because Terry Poole made some unbelievable catches mm-hmm. in the center field. Uh, I met him one time. What a gentleman, too. Yeah. Very, very nice fellow. Yeah. Uh, some great ball players. Um, I wanted to, we started with the uh, Edmonton River Hawks, and I want to end because I interviewed this young guy a few times, Halen Knoll. Out of uh, he's from here and pitched quite well this year for the River Hawks. Uh, what did you make of him every time he took to the hill? Well, he led the Pacific Coast League in innings pitched. He was right there and earned run average. He not an overpowering pitcher, but he hit his spots. He always pitched ahead in the count. And it's been my experience with any level, any team I've been around, that if you lead your team in innings pitched, you're probably going to lead in a whole other categories too. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, he was the pitcher of the year in the West Coast League and well deserved. Uh, uh, you know, he was in the high eights, low nines, high eighties, low nineties, and velocity. Real good curveball, changeup, and uh, just did a wonderful job for us. He sucked up a whole lot of innings. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Uh, one last text coming in from Army Daryl. Orv Franchuk was my junior high math teacher. You and Orv go back a long way, don't you? Sure do. Yeah, Orv has moved to Idaho now. I don't, doesn't have a whole lot to do with the game yeah. anymore, but. He went on to have a great career in professional baseball. He's got World Series rings. Yeah. 
He was a hitting guru. What he didn't know about hitting is just not worth knowing. <laughs> well, I say the same thing to you about baseball. I'll, uh, uh, we're going to have Mark Spector on at the top of the hour. Uh, did you do any broadcast, any games when Speck was playing? Yeah, I got him to start in the business. Really? Yeah, he came up to me at a press conference one time, introduced himself, and uh, I was looking for a color man. So I said, all right, why not? Man. <laughs> did you know he told us his nickname was Home Run, Home Run Speck? But he was a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, say hello to him for me. I will. Uh, hey, Al, thanks for doing this. And it's uh, kind of nice to go down uh, baseball memory lane with all the great uh, teams and uh, players we've had uh, in Edmonton. We'll do this again. Thanks, Al. Absolutely. Best of luck with uh, your show. All right. That's uh, Al Coates. Uh, man, he, he knows everything about baseball in uh, our city. At the top of the hour, we will check in with uh, Mark Spector. We're going to be talking about this for sure. Uh, but first, this Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.